Hi, this is Dean Winyas here, and this is the Tigers, Tigers, blah, blah, blah podcast with Luke Flanagan and Rich Walker. Thanks for downloading and enjoy the show. to a new episode of Tigers, Tigers, blah, 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 with me, Luke Flanagan, and Rich Walker, my co-host. All right, Rich, long time. Now then, yeah, about um, a month. About a month. I think, well, I mean, life's just a bit busy, isn't it, you know? Busier than it was, you know, in 2020, that's for sure, so. Yeah, absolutely. So, a, I mean, a, sw- a switch to a monthly uh, conversation in this format quite suits me. Absolutely, and um, I also think there's a, there's a couple of other um, podcasts who are doing the weekly thing, mm-hmm. and and I'm just not in a place where I feel like it's for me anymore because there's so much fucking rage out there that I just I don't know about. Just yeah, and I'm not necessarily saying that other podcasts do the rage thing, but I just no, can't be asked not. to give an immediate reaction anymore. It's so tiresome. It is, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I kind of feel, I kind of feel your pain a bit. I mean, I, I don't want to stop doing this podcast. I mean, because we have, you know, very generous patrons who are probably paying for stuff that they don't get as regularly as often anymore. But it's just to try and do things weekly when there's often two games, and then obviously when we started this podcast, both of us had a lot of downtime, didn't we? Because it was locked down and yeah, what there else was were no spot on, and what else were you going to do? So it was very easy to do a weekly one, wasn't it? Yeah, um, but it's just it's really not anymore, and I don't want this to become like you know something that I don't enjoy, and I will enjoy doing this once a month, and we're going to try and get like guests on and things like that, um, which we do have one today, and I'll talk about that in a second. But we we this... were saying our idea is now to become more of an audio fanzine than a weekly podcast. Yes, absolutely. So... If you look at the description on Apple Podcasts or even on Spotify, it will say that this is monthly now. Um, which we've decided to try and do. So we have like maybe a bit of a roundup of how the month's gone, but the more focus is is going to be on you know guests, different different walks of life, all linked to city. But you know we had Charlie Palmer on last episode, didn't we? Yeah. Um, which was a, which was a great chat because you know we 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 talked about a lot of things, city and, and recent games. We don't really talk about the football with our guest today, which is uh, Les Mothersby from. Uh, from the Amber Nectar podcast and current um, football kit pod as well. So he's coming up later on in the episode. Um, but yeah, we, we, we've just decided to kind of go not as not as frequent, but it's all about quantity rather than, uh, sorry, qu- quality rather than quantity. <laughs> That's a good start. <laughs> it is a good start, isn't it? Fucking hell. Been a while, hasn't it? And that, you know. Yeah. Um, he's out of touch. Couple, he's out of touch, his lad. He's out of practice. A um, couple of things just before we start then. So massive thanks to Patreons, um, people who have supported us or people that still do. So we have Mike Hassan, uh, Aaron Bell, Rich Fleming, Alex O'Neill, Adam Brown, Ewan Jones, Danny Nickel. Um, thanks to all you guys. So you, you have uh, our, our Patreon list. And we also have Hull City Ladies, our, our uh, sponsor. Uh, their season has started um, and they're still playing out here with Park from 
I think it was last week they moved back there because there's a bit of a clash with Hall Road and things. So they've got their season underway. They've got a lot, a lot of young players. Um, there's quite a lot of squad um, departures, shall we say, from last season. And they've just kind of recruited from their own reserves and, and around the area from York and things like that. So there's a lot of players that are about 17, 16 yeah, playing uh, in the in the third tier of women's women's football, so it's uh, it's going to be a tough season for them. But I'm sure one that they'll uh, they'll definitely uh, learn a lot from playing good teams like Sunderland and Middlesbrough, Burnley, you know, teams like that. Um, so check them out on a Sunday if you're at a loose end and and they fancy a Hull City Ladies home game. And then obviously Fan Hub is the other partner. Um, if you download the Fan Hub app, uh, you can join the. I think it's 120 strong City fans on there. Uh, and you can do your team predictions, read different things from different um, sources, listen to different podcasts, lots of different things on there. So that's well worth a download. And, and uh, it also tracks where you've been if you're going to go to an away game. So if you're going to Stoke, don't know if you're going, Rich. No, nobody would go with me. No. <laughs> and uh, I, I know you asked me, and then I've got my missus is doing her running this weekend, so I was like, uh, probably not something that yeah, I, I would would love to do, and and, and I'll probably regret it if uh, if they do end up playing in the black kit or the third kit. But you know, I mean, um, let's be fair; it's a crap away day, so it's it won't top yeah. of my list. It's just because you know, yeah, fancied it, yeah. Um, but yeah, if you if you do go to Stoke, you check in. It knows on your GPS how far you are from home, so you get more points for checking things like that. A bit like the Skybet app, I guess. So, um, if you want to give it a go, then then do that. Um, so, intros, introductions over. Um, how are you feeling currently, being a City fan, Rich? Um, I mean, I'm not like jumping for joy. Um, mm. I don't know. It's it's a funny thing because. It's it's difficult not to kind of pick up on the moods of of your fellow supporters mm-hmm. in a funny way and, and take that on yourself a bit. Um, I'm concerned, mm. but I anticipated that this season was going to be difficult anyway, so I'm not that surprised mm. by the way that we've started. It's been a tricky start, I think, um, but I'm not ready to consign us to you know the bottom three come the end of the season just yet you know mm. I think there's an awful lot of football to be played so you know at the moment I'm I'm not happy but I'm not like down for the 10 count you mm. know if that makes sense I, th- I think I'm I think I'm pretty much with you to be honest I mean I'm not you know I'm not overly happy at what we're seeing but there's lots of mitigating circumstances around that would you not think I mean you know some of the injuries that we've had to key players um, even things like you know we, we haven't had Wilkes for a lot of the time and when he's come back he's clearly not fit and not sharp enough mm-hmm. you know we, we haven't had Alfie Jones we haven't had you know Tom Huddleston fit for, for a couple of games we haven't had George Honeyman until last week you know and all players that are important yeah, to the way we play he comes back Greg Doherty goes out that's it yeah it just feels like I just feel a bit I do feel a bit sorry for McCann I know loads of people will probably be howling at the Howling at the moon, thinking about that, but I just, <laughs> I, I, I do actually feel sorry for him because. Are you suggesting that they're lunatics? Yeah, well, <laughs> that was that was the inference. I mean, no, I, I understand why people, I understand why people might be, um, why, why why people might be annoyed. 
Absolutely. You know, we haven't scored in a long time. And, you know, I, I genuinely, the, the thing that annoyed me most, I think, is that we did score two quick goals. Both of them should have counted against Sheffield United because he was 100% on side. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, obviously, it wasn't to be. But, you know, that, that might have seen a little bit of a different result, might have pushed forward, got a third, you don't know. But the heads went down after that wasn't counted, even though players seemed to think it was on side and it just kind of petered out in the end. It was good that we got on the score sheet. We need to build on that. But, I mean, Stoke away is going to be a tough game, isn't it? You know, and there, there isn't any, there's no, they always say there's no easy games in any league, but there's definitely not in this. As the, I think that Preston game at the start of the year feels a very long time ago. It definitely does, yeah. I mean, like you, I can understand why people might be calling for the manager uh, mm. to go. I still think it feels a little bit too early. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I do. I don't think you can start making calls like that this early. No, I, I keep looking at the Coventry fixture. Mm. The time where we will, we will know, I think, um, what sort of team we have. Um and I think at that point, if fans are calling for him to go, then they might have a point. It feels, it's a strange thing, because at the end of 2019-20, I was dead set that he shouldn't ever manage a whole City game again. Mm-hmm. But then having won the league... The first league season, since 66. Yeah, yeah and, and let's not forget what an achievement that was for him and his staff and the mm. players who were from that season to kind of drop that negativity and say we're not carrying this into this new season because you know the way at the end of 2019-20 no it's rotten wasn't it you wouldn't have been surprised if that had carried on into the next season but it didn't and and then ride that tricky patch midway through last season to ride that out and, and see us over the line and to, to the point where we you know won the league with games to spare, or went up mm. with games to spare at least. Um, I don't think that you can't you can't not give him credit. I know that's a double negative, but you, you have to mm. give him credit. Is what I'm saying. I was, yeah. speaking, to, I was speaking to people this week online um, who were saying that we won almost that we won the league in spite of him. I think <laughs> there was there was one bloke I spoke to who said that tactics didn't matter in League One. He joking? Um, yeah, he was like, we, we didn't need tactics because it was a lower level of football. Um, now oh, that we on. now that we're in the championship and we do need tactics, you can see McCann's limitations. And and for me, that that doesn't wash because you can't give him all of the blame for his failings and none of the credit for his um, for his achievement. No, absolutely. So I think he's. This is long a long winded way around this and it's what I'm saying is at the end of 2019-20 I wanted him gone because I didn't mm. you know I didn't think he'd, he'd been played a bad hand but he'd played or he'd been dealt a bad hand but he'd played it poorly yeah. and having righted that wrong and brought us back up at the first attempt I think that he has earned the right to have a good crack at it yeah this I'd year. agree with that too yeah um, and <sighs> I just feel like it's too early. And I know you can look at his wider championship record and say, well, this is indicating that he's a poor manager at this level. Yes, I accept that. And I think that, you know, there is some validity to that argument. But I think where we are this season, given the context of last season, is the immediate 
thing that's informing where we are this season. I think he just needs a little bit more time. Mm. That's where yeah. I am. I'm, yeah. I'm fairly neutral on him at the moment. I'm not. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm kissing his ass, but I'm not terribly down on him. I just think we need more time to see 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 what he is. We, we need we need we need to start getting some results, don't we? Mm. You know, yeah. There's no yeah, there's no he's, need he's... to be like negative about anything currently. I know it's very difficult not to be when your team hasn't scored in six games. Yeah, but it's we're, we're know, at a we... crucial point in it now, and things need yeah. to start happening. Like, I mean, we've now. got what what we've got Stoke tomorrow. Uh, we'll start this weekend. Blackpool at home. And then is it Middlesbrough at home? Yeah. So, big games, aren't they? I mean, the Blackpool yeah. game. Cause Blackpool game's huge. They've, even they've still, they've won two, I think, haven't they, this yeah. season? Um, and it's, I think, if if there is a rotten performance, I think the atmosphere does kind of turn there. Um, yeah, I think, that, again, it's far too early to do coming that. Up. You need yeah. to you need to start getting some momentum going through these breaks as well. Mm. I, like I say, I think it's far too early for. I think we've had some good results. I thought Swansea away the nil nil was good. I think on another day we might have pinched it against Bournemouth. You know, I think Ingram bailed us out a couple of times, but I think I think we did pretty well against a team that will probably want to consider themselves going up as you know in the top two or or through the playoffs in Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. I thought we I thought there was nothing to be really that sad about after that performance it was just a shame we couldn't score but you know then we've got you know the games like you've got um, Blackburn away it was you know mad five minutes and I, I, even yeah. then I don't think we played that badly we I didn't think... it was it was detail in that game and I think Richie Smallwood said it before the game against Stoke mm. uh, this weekend so it's it's in both boxes and I know that people kind of took the piss out of him Saying well, of course it is. We can't score and we're conceding too many. But it's a valid point. Mm. It is it, like very often football comes down to like fine margins, and if you're not quite at it at one end, and you're not quite at it at the other, you will lose games. But in mm. between that, I mean, Blackburn is a perfect example. There was a lot of that where we looked like a great team. Yeah, we did. Um, you know, and it but... was it was just the goal that was missing, and then you combine that with an inability to defend a set piece and it's like, wow, we weren't quite at it in those two key areas. And mm. it's not by much, but we ended up losing the game. A point would have been really valuable. It is fine margins, isn't it? It's just yeah. split, split seconds where you do switch off or you, you punish that at this level. Yeah. And I don't think we or, were last year. The or like McGuinness, you go a fraction early into, you know, a, a cross or something like mm. that. It's just, it's, it's fine. And, and, I made the point after Blackburn that it's like that's where sometimes playing on a restricted budget as we are, mm-hmm. that's where it shows because you haven't yeah. got that quality to come the right side of those margins. Well, they've got a Chile international, um, you know, they've got Brereton <laughs> Diaz or whatever he calls himself these days. Yeah. They can just like, yeah, get a girl out of nothing, but you know, Sancho, what, <laughs> yeah, I you am Sancho. See that Pepsi app that he did? In, in yeah, I did. Yeah, it was brilliant, wasn't it? Um, fair play to him. He's making the most out of his five minutes. Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah. To be fair, you've got to do it, haven't you? Yeah. Um, for the next couple of games, would you bench McGuinness and go with Tyler Smith? I'll go with Tyler Smith. Yeah, he looked mm. absolutely great. Again, his, his, his pace, isn't it? And yeah. his movement and runs the channels looked... as well. Mm. He, he runs he the, the channels does, and drags... does the doggies, doesn't he? Yeah, drags the players out of position. I think McGuinness does a good job of, of doing the the donkey work for uh, his two wide men as well and we've said that about him I think mm. ever since we started speaking mm. you know in a recorded format anyway that um, 
that we think that he is suitable for the system because he knows what he's there for. He's there to provide a foil for his two wide men. Mm. Um, it's just a shame that the ball's up to him and not been particularly great yeah. for him. He's not had an awful lot to go off, has he? I think the other thing is that you tend to find that your strikers can get isolated more easily at this level. Mm. Um, and we've certainly seen that the wide lads haven't had the the space. And, and you know, there's um, there are reasons for that, like... Wilkes not being quite at it through injury and then Lewis Potter not being able to find the same space because he's being uh, kind of focused on more by the opposition defenders because there's only him that's a threat. And, well, um, they, they're doing their homework on him, aren't they? Yeah, and Randall Williams isn't quite, you know, he doesn't quite no, carry the same thing so they can maybe leave in a little bit. And, mm. So there are reasons for that, but, you know, it's it's as you say, it's it's pace and I think that does count for a lot at this standard. Uh, and it, you know, he has he has looked sharp, particularly against Sheffield United. He, he, when he came on, he looked very sharp. It was like it assist for the goal, wasn't it? And then yeah, and then he the, should have the, scored the, the goal, goal in inverted commas that that he should have had as well. Um, it's De- a kind of it was definitely a kind of performance onside. That, yeah, well, we've all seen the screenshot. It's ridiculous. Um, but it was the kind of performance that it was great. But also as a manager, you, because you've left him out, you like. Mm. It's put pressure on McCann as well, hasn't it? And that's another stick to beat him with. And well, again, I, I think I think that's a fair point. I think it was a fair criticism. Um, I do think but, there's a, there's an element of obviously Tyler Smith is knocking at his door every day saying I should be starting. Do you think he's still trying to show a bit of loyalty to the players that got him up and he's going to McGuinness last chance saloon this? You you proved to me that Tyler Smith should be on the bench. Do you think that was there was a bit of that against Sheffield United? I don't know because he's not. He's not showed that he's unwilling to to say drop Smallwood, for example. Um, you know, Huddleston's started for him at times, so I don't know. Hmm. Um, I, I, it was just a thought I had. I don't know if he was like giving him a an ultimatum if, to say prove to me that you should be starting and Smith should be coming off the bench, or otherwise I'll, I'll bench you and start. Yeah, him. if those are the thoughts that he's had, then. I think he's within his rights to think that because he's got a forward line and a front three that scored 50-odd goals between them last season. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. if you don't put your faith in them or you know put your trust in them, then what kind of message does that send to them? Um, so I, d- I don't think that that's as clear-cut thing. You know, well, why, like, why have you signed him if you're not going to play him? It's like, well, he's got I someone mean, ahead it, of him who last performed exactly as we would have wanted him to. And, yeah, and also, he... Smith hasn't played an awful lot either. So you no. are trying to, you know, he played that game against um, Bournemouth because McGuinness was injured, and he ran himself into the ground, didn't he? And he mm. took him off and said he'd already ever going to get seventy minutes because we knew he hadn't had the fitness because he hadn't played the games. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, people might say we don't know if McGuinness's championship quality, you know, informing or mm. with with twenty nineteen twenty and what they've seen out of him so far, informing that. And again, that's fair, but I think you can't just say you can't just take the championship games that he's played and say well, he's got no business starting because he, League One last season also provides some context as to why he's starting. What did he get last year? Eighteen goals, something like that. Yeah, you, like any team coming up with a striker that scored eighteen goals for them, you'd be like, well, he's he's earned the right to play. Yeah, and we had three of them. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, Lewis Potter got fifteen, did he? Um, and I think Wilkes got 22 or something. So Yeah, so they've all earned the right to have a crack at it. Um, 
Mm. It's just but, not not clicking as we'd want currently, is not, it? Not not yet. And and like I say, I know people are. are there are some pro- there are some proper like you know panickers out there. I will say I don't subscribe to it myself, but there are people who are <laughs> very negative about everything. Yeah. Around. I, mean, I think it's I a bit too far. I mean, I'm I'm not you know I'm not happy with the situation, but I don't see the there a need to be that kind of down on it, you know. Mm. And you and I work on the the motto of um, credit where it's due and criticism where it's warranted. Yeah. And all right, they haven't pulled up any trees so far this season. Far from it. I don't think they've even planted any trees to pull up yet. <laughs> um, but. It just still feels a little too early to go in as hard as some people in the fan base have been going in. Mm. But then they pay the money and they're entitled to that opinion. I just yeah, disagree yeah. with it at the moment. Yeah, it's it's fine to have that opinion, but again, mm. it's one that I don't particularly subscribe to. Yeah. Um, if, if, but, you know. country comes around and things haven't picked up, then I'll start to feel a little bit closer to that. Possibly, yeah. That, that yeah. I mean, if you know, if we if we if we haven't won a game and we're still on one win, you know, three yeah. four weeks down the line, it it may change. But yeah, mm. it's, it's relative, isn't it? Yeah, it's relative to what you're seeing at the minute. I'm seeing a lot of graft, but just not enough quality at the final third. But Tyler Smith might change that tomorrow. You know, fingers crossed. If he, if he does start, fingers crossed. <laughs> so yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's the next game, and and obviously then we've got Blackpool at home. Um, which we've already said is is going to be a big game. Um, so you know, few few big games coming up for City. Yeah, and then you know, Luton on side of the international break, and yeah. So it's they're coming thick and fast now. I think there's Peterborough not long after that. So yeah, I, I just fingers crossed that Clark Harris is still suspended when <laughs> we play them. But I don't, I don't think, think he, he is. No, no. I think he got a four game ban, didn't he? Yeah, something like that. For some old social media posts, um, yeah, I'm not sure my thoughts on that, but still, if it benefits City, then I'm all for it. <laughs> I don't know enough about it, so I'll leave it no. well alone. No, well, I don't been... even know what he's been what he's been suspended for. So I, I, I knew that I knew it was old old posts, but I don't know what they con- I don't know what they contained. I've yeah, no I, have, I just I just I have no opinion on suspended. that as of yet because I am not informed. <laughs> well, there is there's. Usually, I'm well informed, so that's 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 a break from the norm, at least. I think. <laughs> um, obviously, talking of uh, the rest of the podcast, so we have a chat with Les that's that's going to come up now. Um, so obviously, we've talked about all things football. Les was very kind of forward in saying that he doesn't really want to chat about the stuff on the pitch. Um, Fair. We just yeah, um, leave that to us two idiots, and then uh, we just talked to him about city shirts, really. So, and it's a great, enjoyable. Uh, it was a great, enjoyable time for us too. So, hopefully, you uh, you listeners will like it as well. Um, so, thanks to to Les for coming on. Um, that's who you're going to hear next. Um, and fingers crossed for the next couple of games, eh, Rich? Yeah. Fingers, legs, toes, everything. Everything. <laughs> Everything's crossed. Yeah. Awesome. Falls the Tigers. Forza. See ya. Ta da. The first ball, Evans in with a chance to shoot across Kenny! And Kyrie Evans opens the scoring in the Yorkshire Derby! Minor, through to Tom Huddleston! And it's in! It's Manucho! Well, welcome to the show, Les. Um, <laughs> It must be a bit of an odd one talking about City again after all these years. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, my um, my other half is constantly pestering me to get the band back together and do the Ambonets podcast again, but I'm 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 not prepared to go through the pain of talking about <laughs> Hull City politics. And these days, there's always politics lurking in the back. So I'd rather talk about kids these days. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we were, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. Do you want to? Do you ever think that of uh, you know getting Ambonetta back together? But obviously, that's a resounding no, isn't it? Um, <laughs> For the time <laughs> being, it certainly is. But I'm, I'm sure my missus is quite persuasive. Over time, we might do a special now and then. But yeah, in yeah. the meantime, I'll just polish my. Football Supporters Federation Podcast Award. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never take that from you. Um, obviously, well, obviously we um, we wanted to have a chat, not really based around the football. Um, me and Richard, <laughs> self uh, self confessed kit geeks, and uh, it's always something we always love a chat about. And obviously, you're, I think you were the first person we we ever thought of if we wanted a, a chat about this year's shirts because now we've got all three in the bag. Um, mm. It's perfect opportunity to talk about them, but I've, I was just going to start. Uh, I usually let Rich start with the questions and stuff, but obviously I sent you a rough outline of what we was going to do. But Rich, yeah. do, you, do you want to go ahead and, and you start? Because um, let's work to break from tradition. It's usually what we're doing, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you'd like me to open up with the difficult ones. Yeah, um, I was just wondering, Les, like how you started getting into shirt collecting. Like, you know. Everybody gets like the first replica one as a kid, I think. But how, like, where did it start for you? And then where did you start collecting match worn shirts? Well, I think all football supporters are secretly collectors of ephemera or tat. And, <laughs> you know, any football collection starts with the gateway drug of Panini stickers and then it moves on to programs. I, I will admit, I had my first replica shirt before. I ever got to go to a game. Um, so I had that familiarity of wearing shirts even before I'd even visited Boothrow Park for the first time. And yeah, it progressed on to uh, replica shirts, all sorts of stuff as well. Like I'm a bit of a hoarder of action photographs and old black and white press photographs and stuff like that. But there, there was a point around 2009 where a couple of match-worn shirts became available and I thought, oh, you can get player shirts quite regularly now. And that felt like the ultimate thing to collect because it's literally a, a piece of the club's history. It's not just a programme, which is you know just a magazine full of adverts for Mantan if it's from the 60s or <laughs> abnormal load bulk services if it's from the 90s you know this was this is something absolutely essential you can you can do without match programs but you can't do without football kits they're, they're absolutely critical so when I sort of made that realization that I can actually collect piece literal pieces of the club's history the fabric of the club and um, that's what made me think oh, well, I, I, I need to throw myself into this because I've always had a bit of a hoarding gene. I know I get that from my parents, but my first match one um, was actually in about 1991. There was a, a lad who came across our school field who had gone to our school previously but then moved away, and he opened up this rucksack, and inside it, I immediately knew what it was. It was He had, like, a stack of player shirts and so we look at that was like the 1990 to 92 shirt. And a, a player shirt was obvious because they used to have sewn on amber patches on the back to make the numbers more distinct on, on the stripes. 
And so they went on the replicas, but it was on the player shirts. I also noticed that the, um, you know, this is the depth of my geekiness even back then. I noticed that the felt patch you got on the replicas. It was this really hard wearing leather patch that was meant to withstand repeated washes. And I bought one from him there and then. Didn't even think about where it had come from. And I was walking home thinking I was the coolest kid ever because I had Andy Payton's match-worn shirt on. And as soon as I walked into the house, my dad shouted from the living room. He was reading the paper and he said, says here in the paper, all city have had all the shirts nicked. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> I tried to get upstairs as quickly as I possibly could while wearing a bright amber garment. Um, and, and my dad, being the absolute... <laughs> Uh, I, I won't go into the relationship with my father, but he rang the police <laughs> and the police took it off me. And so, so, yeah, that I, my, 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 I had I, for, for about half an hour, I had this match one shirt of a player who at that point was my, my idol because he was, you know, like a golden boot winner, the, the top scorer at the club. And he actually lived not far away from, from I lived. I lived on Boothbury Road and he lived, he lived on Belgrave Drive. So it's like, oh, I've got. Andy Payton shirt, but I for about, only had it about half an hour. So when 2009 rolls around and I realised that you can start getting match worn shirts now, I was thinking, well, my dad can't stop me now, can he? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm fairly certain that's why now at any opportunity I will pick up a match worn shirt, even if it's essentially one I've already got, if it's a different player. Um, and I, I'm just on a mission to try and grab one of every style of shirt we've ever won. I mean, that's, it's an impossible dream. You can never achieve that, but that's, that's the aim. Hey, well, you know, you've got to try. <laughs> <laughs> How long did you have to wait before you got a 1992 shirt then after that? Well, I still don't have a proper one really, because I, I've got one from pre-season. It's number 16. Um, but I, I've, I've never been able to get one that's just like a one to eleven or or one of the, the the regular season substitute shirts. So it's still a big one on my list. So I've got a version of it, a player version of it, but it's still one I, I would really like. One. I mean, <laughs> it looked like an absolute batch of them got stolen. So they've got to be, you know, somewhere gathering dust in people's lofts. Um, but it's not something you can get from the players anymore because it looks like the entire club stock was next. I mean, it didn't really matter at the time. I think it was just before the Tiger Strike came, Tiger Strike kit came out in 92. So, you know, unless the club were going to use them for youth teams, that kind of thing, they weren't going to be used for first team action anymore. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd still really like to, because that's always been to me the archetypal whole city shirt, that 1991. I mean, as, as fun as the years we read in the kits was in the 80s, when we went back to that thin black and amber stripes with solid amber sleeves and there was no red in it anymore. That just felt that's what he should look like to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, obviously, the amount of shirts you must have are ridiculous in number. Do, do you have an exact number of how many shirts altogether, like including match ones and, and replicas, how many that you actually have? I don't, I don't include replicas on a spreadsheet but I do have a spreadsheet of the match ones in fact I updated it about half an hour ago because I've got a new one on the way nice. um, it, it could be a bigger number but I <laughs> there, there was a point where if I had duplicates of the same shirt I would perhaps move it on to raise funds to get one for one mm. I didn't have because I'd 
some people when they collect match ones they're really bothered about the player that's wearing it they want it to be a you know a big player but to me yeah it's the whole sittiness of it that appeals to me so yeah. i don't i don't really care how crap the player is um <laughs> probably a good job with some of the ones from the 90s yeah i've got some right dreadful you know players shares but it's like but it's still a whole city shirt so it's not that that bothers me, but at the moment I'm at 139. I have had more at some points, but there's somewhere if I've had duplicates, I've moved them on or I've traded them to try and increase the breadth of the collection because it's not the the number of shirts that appeals to much. It's just trying to have one of every style. Mm. Amazing. I got 139. I mean, I, I moved house recently. Um, Oh, it was about four or five months ago, maybe. But I had to pack up all the shirts that I own, and my missus was fuming because it took me a good seven <laughs> or eight hours to make sure everything from every nook and cranny was actually put in there. And uh, I had to like vacuum pack a load of them, so I was like folding them neatly. All of this, make make sure some of them were not in there. And she was just like, "How long does it take? Just chuck them all in a bag." And I'm just like, "No, no, no, you can't do that." And I'm texting rich saying oh look at this one i found and, you know, there's ones that you're kind of in the back of the cupboard that were way too small for me now mm. um obviously lockdown has helped with that but a lot of them <laughs> i i end up keeping that my mum's my mum keeps everything and a lot of them are, are going to my youngest son when he when he's old enough to to kind of fit Excellent. in and stuff well, um, I mean, so. you know certainly when it got to the point where it was a share a season yeah it's much, you assign memories, specific memories to each shirt. You know, people mm. often say, who's the first player you think of when you see this shirt? And mm. it's easier to do that in the, the the era of a one-year shirt cycle than it was, you know, at that point where, you know, like in the 70s where we'd have a shirt for five seasons or in the yeah. 80s where we'd have one for, for two seasons. It's much easier to be more specific and assign memories of them now. I do have plenty of, of replicas, but I don't really consider myself a collector of those, uh, collector of those as such. But one thing I will say is I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a, a very supportive partner who loves, <laughs> absolutely loves my hobbies and loves my passion and the effort I put into researching them and writing articles about them. So, you know, I, I don't have to hide them. I don't have to pretend, oh, no, I've had that one ages. I, you know, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I can show it off when a when a new shirt comes, and she really fancied Alan Fettis um, when she was younger. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> so when I told her today, I said, "I said, oh, will you fancy me more now that I've got an Alan Fettis shirt on the way." <laughs> so, <laughs> do you have a do you have a favourite in your collection, Les? I mean, is that like with you having so many or? I suppose it's a bit like having favourite children, isn't it? But yeah, I think. <laughs> I, I think it is natural. Um, I've got an Adidas shirt from 1980 to 1982, and as you know, as a bit as a big fan of the Adidas brand and the the fact that it was just solid black and amber stripes, these big flappy polo collars, and it's got a huge Adidas trefoil on it. Even though that's a little bit before my time, because my favourite first game was in 1983, um, so although it's just before my time, I just just think to own. One of those, yeah. I don't, you know, I've got a couple of tiger stripes, match worn shirts, but but even so, I just think that that 1982 82 Adidas shirt, I'm not sure sat or really that will ever get topped. Mm. I think that, actually that's that's a really interesting thing that you said that because, um, we were going to ask you, and I think it's a good time to ask about some of the retro remakes that have been doing the rounds recently. And I know you you, you were 
quite vocal on Twitter to say that the 80-82 one was a, you know, good effort, a, a classic share. But I just wondered if, what you thought of the um, the current retro market that seems to be doing the rounds and been really popular. It's interesting. I, I'm a bit ambivalent about it because in some ways, are the knockoffs? Yes, they are. But then I, I I have had these arguments with myself um, because I'm weird and I have arguments in my head about football kits. But you know, <laughs> we all we all do that. I think we all I do think, that. I think back to that period in the '90s where Toffs appeared and suddenly they were making 1966 England shirts and 1978 Argentina shirts, and nobody ever called those knockoffs. People called them retro remakes, mm. and all that's happened is. You know, 20, 30 years have passed since that retro craze began. And so now the, the, the era of the shirts has moved on. So now it's moved on to an era where the shirts were made out of polyester rather than cotton and there were brand names on them. So are they knockoffs? Yeah, I guess they are. But I'd, I'm not going to shed tears for Adidas and Admiral 40 years later because any money they were going to make out of those shirts... It's already happened. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Admiral, for example, mm. I mean, you know, that company's changed hands three or four times since they made Hull City shares. It's not the same company. So I'm, I'm not going to get sanctimonious about, you know, the rights and copyright and all that stuff. And, and my view on that as well is Admiral are never going to make retro Hull City shares. Adidas are never going to make retro Hull City shares. The club aren't going to touch it because of the copyright implications. So it's natural that somebody is going to fill that void and try and produce something. And so some of them are, are pretty good. I mean, I, I think the standard isn't bad. Um, it's difficult to do some things. Like they're trying to say, for example, um, like the the riding bitter ones from the from the late eighties. Yes. They're trying to create the effect of a jacquard weave, a pattern woven into the shirt with a print, and. Sometimes it works, like on the away shirt. Sometimes it doesn't work so well as as on the home shirt. But overall, you know, I think they're fairly decent quality. People want to wear them. And the other thing to remember is replica shirts in the 80s were pitched squarely at kids. They didn't really sell them in adult sizes. So if you want to wear one of those shirts as an adult, you either have to be ridiculously thin and you can get away with wearing kids clubs from the 80s <laughs> or you can accept that you need to wear a retro remake and I, and I would say as well even if you've got one of those original replica shirts those shirts are worth so much money do you really want to wear one you, you know if you can wear something that's like a throwaway relatively cheap replica of that then then fair enough and I think, I think some of the stuff they've done is really well I actually think the best items we, we know we're talking about that, that that people have done is the um some of the 80s track tops i think those are really well done um mm. and and i've i've been sent a couple of those and i think yeah they're, they're really well done I, I like those so although i do have some reservations about it i'm not going to get sanctimonious about it there's a market for it the official people are filling it somebody else has stepped in and, and fair play i'm not going to criticize them for that it fills a void for people as well. I mean, who are reluctant to, you know, spend on official. There is still the element of the fan base who, you know, for whatever reason, will not spend money on official things because they think it lines the DLM's pocket. So it's fulfilling yeah, that purpose yeah. as well, isn't it? It's still absolutely. You know, the club has been reduced to such a soulless husk 
people want to remember a time before this. Mm-hmm. And so naturally people are looking back to those periods and thinking, my word, we might have had a crap football team, but at least we was an authentic football club and we had, you know, players we could we could genuinely love. And I'll be quite honest, I think some of my you know, extreme love of football kits has been a product of that. You know, me chucking my time in at, at a time when there was, there was a period about four or five years ago when I was going to games and I wasn't enjoying it. Everything just felt ruined, and I'd be yeah. sat sat or stood there at games, and all I was doing was ruminating on what happened to the club and how much it, it irritated me. So. It was actually throwing myself into collecting shirts, researching shirts, writing articles about them. That probably kept my club, uh, sorry, probably kept my love for the club going. I think it was in, you know, it was it was being seriously tested, and it was, you know, but football shirts largely aren't political, so it was something that for me was purely enjoyable and allowed me to continue to engage with Hull City and enjoy it. Even though when I was going to games, I was just sat there thinking, I'm not, I'm not enjoying this at all. Even if the football's good, I'm just left with such ill feeling towards the owners of the club and what they've done to the club. So I think the, the retro remakes tap into that part as well. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting you say that because um, I think a lot of people found uh, a similar thing, particularly over the lockdowns, that it was looking at shirts and, and, and buying old shirts that kept people feeling like they had a connection to the club. And mm. you'll have definitely seen it with your um, auction action articles that you do, the the increase in prices for all the shirts over the last year or so that I think has been fueled by that. You know, um, and I, I just wondered, do you think that that booming vintage shirt prices is uh, – is here to stay? Will they always uh, be at this inflated price now, or do you think that'll start to kind of go back down to to a normal price for for items now that people can go to games and maybe get that fix in another way? It's possible. It's a question I have I have considered because the, the, the certainly was this absolute boom in the prices of replicas going up, and you know I put a replica on on eBay just because it was one I had two of. And I looked one day, and it was like the bidding was at five hundred pound, and I was thinking, "What is going on?" Mm. And I thought, "This person isn't going to pay." Somebody, somebody's having a laugh, but actually, somebody paid five hundred and fifty quid for a nineteen ninety six replica, and Jeez, I was so impressed. I, I sort of hand delivered it to the house and gave them a load of programs and a load of other stuff with it because I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe um, what what somebody was willing to pay. Um, Which one was that, Les? What what shirt was that? It was the. IBC Super League 1996 home shirt, which I wouldn't have thought was that rare, really. No. Um, I mean, I've got, the, said, um, I've got the away one, you know, the, the Renfrew Rejects one. And mm. I think I got it for 60, 65 quid, something yeah, from eBay. Yeah, for mine. But I, that was two years ago. Um, I don't know if it, the post boom it might be different and people just chancing and trying to get a you know trying to get a good price yeah, for it. Well, but... I reckon it, it might be different different now. Um, what what I was fascinated with was the increase in shirts for replicas. It, it didn't really translate to match ones, but I have seen mm. that happen recently. So I mean, at the same time, with well, the same month that. Uh, 
um, a Tiger Stripe 1992 shirt sold for £2,000 on eBay. I picked up a match one one for £200. <laughs> <laughs> now, maybe, maybe the seller just didn't really understand what they were selling. But I think that's, I that might be quite possible. I think some people kind of get into this market and just ask for shirts from players and then just sell them on just for a quick book. Do, 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 do they not? Uh, yeah, yeah. There, there, there was an element of that a couple of years ago. And then, yeah, the, mm. the, whole, the whole culture of... People writing, "Can I have your shirt on the back of a conflict packet?" Did whatever. That wasn't something that was possible in the eighties and nineties because the players got given one shirt. Or yeah, even, yeah. even when shirts became personalised with squad names and squad numbers, the club gave them two and said, "That's your lot for the season. If you need more, you're paying for them yourself." You know, but now even at whole city's level, there'll be two shirts per game and. Mm. Over a season, a player might get through, you know, twenty-five to thirty shirts. So they're not as rare as the ones were. So it's easier for for them, you know, to be given away and it, and it not to be a, a big deal. Um, but yeah, I have been quite stunned by. I mean, like the, the prices of the Tiger Strike replicas is just every month it just seems to creep higher, and you think, how long can this last for? I mean, the one thing I'll say about the the Tiger Stripe stuff from the nineties is. Um, there are collectors in Asia that will just drop silly money on those because it's a, a famous shirt from the 90s. That's a highly collectible era. And so they're the ones that will come in and drop two grand on a replica shirt. You know, yeah. I think most people in East Yorkshire are, are doing that. And you don't see generally that kind of increase on other shirts. Um, but I have just noticed in the last month or so that the the price of match ones has started to match that increase and you know international shares that perhaps you could get for 200 a couple of years ago people want 400 to 500 for them now and, and that's the problem with stuff is you, you when you start collecting stuff you start sprawling i mean i got to a period where there wasn't many old city shirts available because i had a lot of them so i started buying sampdoria match one shirts and international match one shirts and you know shirts that were templates that I thought were really significant in kit design history and and it all just goes a bit a bit mental way <laughs> <laughs> and you think I might, I might have a serious problem and there's no room in the house because I've got these <laughs> plastic boxes full of you know like really carefully cared for uh, Japan shirts from 1998 <laughs> <laughs> what do you um, what do you think's the most obscure shirt that you've collected I'd be interested to know that um, because I know it's all be down to opinion and everything, but anything yeah. where somebody had gone like, "How did you get that?" or "Why?" <laughs> so I suppose it's the why, but I mean, <laughs> I've, got, I've, got, I've got player shirts from the two teams City played in the Europa League qualifying. So oh, nice, best. that's that's good. Yeah, I like that. Trenching and then locker, and I mean, you know, it's yeah. too, really, it's not a whole City share, but I just thought, yeah, that's a really cool thing to have because I'm not sure. As a City supporter, I'm not sure of going to Slovakia to watch City in a competitive UEFA-sanctioned game. I'm not really sure that's ever going to get topped in my lifetime. Yeah, uh, probably yeah. not. Before that, my, my favourite game was like Brentford away in 1998 when we came off the bottom <laughs> Division 4. But you know, how do you top going to Slovakia and, and, and stuff like that? So, I don't know. I mean, I also managed to pick up some... Um, some shirts worn by Team City played in pre-season. So I've got like um, uh, a Rudiger Stuttgart shirt from when City played there in, was it 2013? And 
we played a game at Dresden and a and a game another game in Germany and I've got shirts from those teams get you know shirts that were worn against City I suppose they that's quite obscure that that's really mm. you know, that's not a critical part of my collection but it's fascinating definitely is um if we go on to I'm sure Rich won't mind us doing this but if we go on to the uh current season shirts mm. um I just wondered about the uh the, the home shirt with the Almost like a tire track across. I know you'll give me the technical term because you'll know it. But um, any thought? What thoughts on the the home shirt this year? Because it's a little bit different from what we used to having, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know if it's a technical term, but I christened it the glitch sash because it's not quite nice. a full sash, is it? It's like that digitized element. Yeah, I think it's better than tire track that I came up with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I've got a strange ambivalence about this shirt because I really like the garment. And I would say if that was a training shirt, I'd argue that was the best training shirt we've ever had. But mm. it doesn't quite work as a home kit for me. Um, There's the, the something that I, I don't know. It just it doesn't feel like a home kit. But the one thing I'll say is when it's paired with amber shorts like it was at Preston on the first day, I think I like it more with the amber shorts than I do with the black shorts. And, you know, there is a historical precedent of City wearing amber shorts at home. They did it for a season in the mid-60s. Um, so if a bizarre decision was made mid-season to switch over the third kit's amber shorts to, to the home shirt, I think that would look better as an overall kit. But it's not because I, I like the garment, and if that was a training kit, I'm thinking, yeah, that's a training kit I want to buy. Um, mm. But it doesn't quite work as a home kit for me. I think one thing that we've done really well in the last decade or so is we've largely stuck to striped shirts, and it's really helped create that visual identity for the club. And so I don't mind the club trying new things now and then, but it just doesn't quite hit the mark for me as a home kit, even though I like the garment, which I suppose is a bit of an oddity. Mm. It could almost be um, like a fourth shirt. You know, if we were at a level, say, like a lot of the teams who Nike supply are, like Barcelona have got a fourth shirt that essentially mm. is, a, is like a redone home shirt for Champions League games. It could almost be that, I think. Mm. That's yeah. a fair shout, to be honest. I've always wanted City to have a sash on a shirt, but I always figured it would be an away kit or a third mm. kit because I think sashes look great. Um, so I, I, I almost would like to have just seen a, a full sash. Maybe I would have liked that a bit more. Even though it, it's an interesting design. And, yeah, you do it with a one-year shirt cycle. You do have to keep trying something new, you know, otherwise people get a little bit bored of stripes. Not me personally. I'd, I'd have stripes all the time. Because that's to me what Hull City look like. But I, I understand the commercial imperative of doing that. Mm. And then obviously the, the, it's caused quite a stir, our away kit, doesn't it? Um, mm. That's a great sound as well, Rich. Jesus. <laughs> How many beers are you opening? Are you doing your stone cold impression? No, I'm on my <laughs> second one. That's a... <laughs> I'm not wiping that up off the kitchen floor tonight. I've got nothing oh, to God. <laughs> um, the Yeah, the, the away share, obviously the, the blackout. Any thoughts of you from the on the the blackout trend? Because it seems to be kind of this thing that a lot of clubs are, are are wanting to do at the minute. I didn't know your thoughts on it, Les. I think it's a great looking kit, and mm. you know, Hull City haven't exactly been the most fashionable club when it comes to getting into kit trends first we've often followed when everybody else has done something i mean you, you look at you know the just just like an all black kit for example mm. you know after the premier league came in and refs went to wearing green shirts if 
practically every club in the country had a fully black kit at one point, and City were quite late to that party. You know, the first one mm. was oh three oh four, and that that kind of thing where City were late to to establish trends. You know, it is it is a bit of a whole City thing. So to see City get on board the blackout thing quite early because. You know, not many other English clubs have done that. I know that there's a couple of, you know, your um, your hipster German clubs have done it. The two Borussias, and you've got AEK in Sweden, who are they're they're known as a bit of a hipster club anyway. Mm. So for Hull City to sort of like jump on that at that point, I'm quite impressed by that um, mm. because we're not normally a, a traditionally trendy club um, in, in that sense, and I think we've got on board with it before it's been done to death. Because there's going yeah. to come a point where it's like, oh, another blackout kit. I mean, I know, Liverpool, yeah. I know Liverpool had one, but it was leisure wear. It was never intended to be a match kit, whereas this is yeah. a functional blackout kit that the club are going to make use of. Well, I wish they'd get on and do it. I know they probably don't want to irritate people by wearing it while you know they're not on general sale. But it's about, I really would like to see us in a, in a change kit because we just seem to be wearing the home kit with the what do they call it, beetroot purple keeper kin. So, oh, can we have a bit of kit mm. diversity, please? Can we see <laughs> yeah. something? So I'm, I'm desperate for them to either wear the blackout kit or the, the new third kit. And perhaps we could wear it at Stoke. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just wish we'd get on with it. I think that it's interesting you say that because I think the under-23s actually used the third kit, didn't they, the mm. other week? Um, and it looked very nice in the flesh, I must say. Um, probably a good good way to go around to the third kit. I know, Rich, you, you said that it was your favourite of the three current kits, didn't you? And I know people were complaining about it being like a Bradford shirt and what have oh. you, but I prefer to think that it was more like a Roma shirt. Um, yeah, but you definitely. Still, having, having picked one up now, I'm, I, it is my favourite of the three, I think. Definitely. I think it is mine as well. I ordered one today because I know you, you'd sent me a message and said, I don't think they'll be there long, so I wouldn't hang about and get one. So just before I even got in the car to drive home from work, <laughs> that was ordered. <laughs> yeah, I found myself at like eight thirty-seven this morning refreshing the Tiger Leisure website. It's like uh, mm. not not healthy behaviour is, but I, I would concur. It's my favourite of the three kits this season. The blackout kit is cool, but mm. the third kit riffs on a past city kit, so that means more to me. And I yeah. loved, loved that maroon kit from mm. from the nineties. My lock screen photograph on my phone is my partner wearing that shirt with Rob Dewhurst, who was wearing an awful brown jumper. Um, <laughs> back from when she used to fancy Alan Fettis. Um, so there's the, the certain things I associate that shirt with. It's like there's the Renford Rejects thing and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it also makes me think of my missus. So to see us riffing it. So today, as soon as they went on the site, I think it was about 9.04 <laughs> when they finally... You can tell they refreshing a lot. But 9.04 when they finally appeared, I ordered two, one for me and one for my missus. I think it's fantastic. I don't have a problem with the amber shorts. Um I, I can understand why some people would, would rather there not be, but I think that's more down to a change in the EFL rules than it is a, de- a conscious design decision. Mm. Umbra, I've got this thing where they always seem to bring out two really good kits, but don't necessarily do three that are you know totally amazing, all of them. So it becomes a very subjective ranking. So um, you generally want a stronger home shirt than we've got this season so that might go against it i would certainly say this is one of the best 
sets of away kits they've they've given us. But then again, there's other seasons that give that a run for the money. Um, 14, 15, where we had the black away kit when it had like the, the amber notch collar. I also really like the white kit with the light blue um, trim that had the, the blue. So it's the one that we wore at Locker. And so I thought that was a really good two away kit combo. Um, the... The Navy Peony season was great, where that was the third kit. Sim- similarly, the same where we had the Deep Lagoon one, because I thought the away kit was good. So it, I mm. found it difficult to definitively rank them. But certainly for away kits, it's very strong. But I think there's been other years where we've had a better trio of kits with a stronger home kit. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. Um, and and then- in terms of... Have I given this much thought? It is the kind of thing I think of every 12 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and this this might be something that you've thought of quite a bit as well. Um, and I know it's been... Such a long people have labelled them community. Um, how do you feel about the slow death of the long... Oh, good question, that bit devastated by it. Um, I, I adore long sleeve shirts, apart from when I've got to package them up in the bags I use to store them. <laughs> because that, that extra material really makes it quite difficult. But from an aesthetic, you know, I, I remember the first City replica you could buy in long sleeves. It was the 99-2000 shirt, the AVEC one with IBC. And I like, I think that's I what I was going to say. Mm. I think about three of them that season because I, I was also playing for a supporters team and we wore the current kit and so I wanted to wear long sleeves and typically whenever there's been a long sleeve kit available I've bought it so I was disappointed last year when the away kit wasn't in long sleeves because I'd had the previous away kit in long and then this year nothing at all so you know I think base layers have got a lot to answer for but I do mourn the, the death of the long sleeve shirt. I think that um, that third kit would look amazing with a long sleeve. Really do. I think it's a massive trick missed. Yeah, I'm outraged. So unless we can <laughs> unless we can rid the kit room and steal some of the base layers, we're not going to really get that effect, are we? No, I don't think we are. Um, I did. I did promise you, Les, that we wouldn't talk about the football on the pitch. Um, <laughs> so, but I was going to ask. Um, what your thoughts are on the well alleged or proposed takeover of the um, Turkish uh, media mogul? You might know me as being a fairly cynical individual. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's a funny one. It we're, we've been stuck in this alamon purgatory for over a decade, and we're also desperate to hope the club will get sold but I don't think we can quite allow ourselves to believe it in case we get cruelly dashed. I th- the one thing I'll say is with this one, I mean I remember there was that one, was it the American chap Peter Grieve and he spoke to some supporters groups to try and get a feel for the club but even then there was never anything officially published and the thing that's different with this guy is he's talking in the media about his ambitions to buy the club, and that's different. You know, we're often sold this hook of, oh, somebody's interested in the club, and they're they're talking to Ehab, and you think, well, that'll put them off. Um, but this is the first time where somebody's, like, gone on record in the media and said, yes, I want to buy the club, and I think I can achieve this. So that that's a, a, a wrinkle, something, something new. But we just know how difficult... Um, 
the Allens are to deal with. And, you, you know, the, they've been saying they've been trying to sell the club for, you know, over half a decade now. And they're not very good at it, are they? You know, it's <laughs> like they like to make out the really successful things. And there, there was something that, that occurred to me today. All of the division City are playing in, is is rapidly is vastly different from the scenario I'm about to suggest, but we're approaching this territory where the Alums are becoming a little bit like the Needlers, where you had the father who okay, we had the silly name change, but he invested in the club, became very popular, and the manager could twist his arm to get some more money out of him. And generally he was lauded for the investment in the club. And then it passed to the son and just became this thing where there was like a managed decline, where there was no real love for it, and it and it just ultimately broke the spirit of the club. And there's almost a little bit of a parallel to that there that I'd never really considered before because the, the, the circumstances were so different. One was, you know, kicking around in the basement division, and then we had another period where we've largely been in the top two divisions, but... It just it just feels like this ongoing forever purgatory, and you hope it'll end, but you then vocalise those hopes in case you know they get a kick in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, you had, um, I think, you was you going to ask Les what his favourite swear word was? Yeah, what? Yeah, <laughs> word is, because um, lurking on our connector that you you were you know. Uh, Proficient with your vocabulary, shall we say? So, what is your favourite? Ah, uh, it, it changes all the time. It, it's <laughs> so it, it, it's sort of like you know hashtags where it, you know it, it it changes on a regular basis. Um, hmm. Current flavour. So, well, there was a, I started calling things quadra things um, at one point. Like, a, he's a quadra because he's four times the man. Um, and, and so I, I, I did always quite enjoy quadra I'm, I'm conscious that there's a, a child in the room, not not like a very small child, but still an impressionable one. Um, regardless. Um, but I, I, also, I also used to like cunt pipe and cunt jammer. I, I, like, I, like, I like adding things. So then, yeah, just like a, just a different verb on the end. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't like these ones, these popular ones where people think they're really funny because they say wank puffing or something like that. You oh, know? yeah, or they just, they've just watched uh, the thick of it too much. Yeah, and they just quote it, that. It, <laughs> it, it needs some real gusto to it. And, you know, to be called a cunt pipe, it's hard to come back from, <laughs> isn't it? You just, think, you just think, what have I just been called? I don't understand it. It's perfect. <laughs> It's, it's usually directed at a meth, though, so they wouldn't understand anything. Yeah, yeah, I credit Amber Nectar with um, adding the word fuckwit to my vocabulary. And I think it was in a, in a was done on Brian Laws, and it was like, I like that word, I'm going to adopt it forever. Yeah, <laughs> the, the one criticism I've had of the podcast I've started doing on football kits is, you don't swear anymore, and it's like, well, but I'm discussing a topic that doesn't fill me with rage. Yes. On a on a regular basis, so I don't need to delve into that part of my vocabulary. <laughs> I know you were the self-professed sweary one on Amber Nectar, weren't you? I think that said on your profile at one point. So I I tend to be the sweary one on Tiger's blah, but uh, Rich Rich can often come out with uh, some other things that give me a run for my money. So it just depends how annoyed we are. I think <laughs> depends how bad City have played, and it could be either one of us at this point. Yeah. Um, 
There was, well, there was, I think me and Andy, there was a bit of good cop, bad cop about it. So he was, he was quite the, the well thought out, staid, serious one. Mm. And I, and I thought, no, we, we can't both be the same. Uh, you know, I can, I can debate articulately if I need to, but just like, you don't want two of the same thing. So I think I'll throw a bit of, a bit of profanity in the lols. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. And I, and I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes you have to call a cunt pipe a cunt pipe or a cunt jammer a cunt jammer, don't you? Indeed. I'm definitely going to add those to my vocabulary now. <laughs> Les has inspired me to do so. Um, Les, listen, it's been absolutely great speaking to you. Um, obviously, I know you from like, Amber Nectar and talking to you now, it seems a little bit surreal that we've talked to somebody who had a far more successful podcast than we ever will be. But, um, well, you know, I don't, I don't know. You quantify success. I mean, you could you could quantify it in awards, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that one, you, that one, you're still polished on a daily basis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would urge all City fans to listen to the uh, the, the Kit Pod because it is a, it is a great listen. So um, make sure you, you you everybody goes and checks that out. And uh, thanks for your time for coming on to chat to us about all things City kits. It's been really good and really enjoyable. Oh, I'll always talk about kits. It's just the the football. I'm I'm trying to avoid thinking about <laughs> at the moment because it's not fun, is it? I understand completely. <laughs> so there was genuinely a point in the Sheffield United game where I'd ordered the Cuprinol Eben slate paint to paint the garden fence with, and there was a genuine point where I thought, "Oh my god, I've reached that point in my life where I'd rather be painting the fence than walking pumped <laughs> by Sheffield United." <laughs> I thought. For 18 months, every weekend I've told her how desperate I am to go to football. And now that we're like six games into a not very successful run, I can't suddenly go, no, I'm not looking forward to it. So it's just like, no, yes. <laughs> it's, it's, funny, it's funny, thing. isn't it? The, the thing you enjoy most is the socialisation and the being around like-minded people. Yeah. And it never really occurred to me that you can do that without actually going to the game. I mean, I'm never going to get to that point. I, I'm, I'm so hopelessly addicted. Uh, you know, it'd be like asking me to, to remove a, an arm or a leg. And I, I, went, I went through that period where there, there was one season where I found myself going to the games and hating it, and I thought, "Why? Why am I doing this? Why am I?" And when they brought, when they said that they weren't going to do concessions anymore, I genuinely felt I can't deal with. I said, "One, I'm, I'm hating going to it, but I can't deal with the fact that young kids are potentially subsidising me getting a cheaper pass." So there was one <laughs> that season I didn't go, but then again I would just sit at home doing the same rumination. And then being annoyed that I hadn't actually gone. And what happened that season was so many people said, oh, I'm off on holiday, do you want to borrow my pass? I ended up seeing nearly every game anyway, even though <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't bought one. So the whole thing was totally academic. And so like, when it got to the second season of the memberships, I thought, well, anybody that's been priced out has been priced out. So there's no, there's no pensioners or kids subsidising me having a much cheaper ticket. Um, and so I just thought, well, I might as well go ruminate and be miserable there than doing it at home, looking at stars coming in on on Sky Sports or whatever. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I don't even know what to think about the upcoming games, to be honest. So, well, probably the less said about that, the better. But uh... <laughs> well, I, I think <laughs> it, what we get. 
Is that an opportunity to wear the away kit? That's how I tend to view them. <laughs> we'll probably get beat at Stoke, but could we wear the black kit? That would be nice. Yes, it would be. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you, you, you're getting the silver lining out of the cloud there, right? Oh, absolutely. The, the blackout lining. <laughs> Great stuff. Um, brilliant. Thanks, Les, so much for your, for your time. I'm sure we'll probably ask you to come on at some other point um, for another chat. Um, Thank you very much. If, if we ever get another win, it might be something like that. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or if your podcast doesn't get taken off um, like iTunes because of my creative swearing, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we'll be absolutely fine. Um, <laughs> we'll see. But thanks, thanks for your time again, Les. We'll we'll speak to you soon. I'm sure. Oh, good. Yeah, thanks cheers, very much. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Go steady. Only fools rush in, but I can't help falling in love with you. Shall I stay? Would it be? my home.